back. <clears throat> it's me, DJ Crystal Clear here with Dr. Paul Bertolino. All right, so here we are with episode number 14 and uh, coming to you from the world-famous As It Should Be Studios here in Crookland, New York. And it is a beautiful Monday. Birds are chirping quite loudly. You may be able to hear them oh, later. Well, they were. They, they stopped. There they didn't a... want to be captured on, uh, <laughs> yeah. on virtual tape. There was a whole gaggle of somethings out there chirping. I'd like to say a murder of crows, but that is not true. And uh, it's 45 degrees outside. It's January the 17th. Oh, no, it's February. My bad. I've been uh, hoodwinked and run amok and whatnot. So uh, here we are with episode 14. And my first song is I Want You To... I Want You To Want Me by Cheap Trick. <laughs> by Cheap Trick from the album called In Color from 1977. And I have three tremendous covers of this song. The first one is by Dwight Yoakam. Dwight Yoakam. <laughs> and this was suggested by one of my fans, Dan Buxpin, out there, who is an amazing writer, who was once my editor at... Uh, at uh, the Z Review a long time ago. But he's a really great writer. He His latest book is on Woodstock. You should run out and get it because it's really great. Um, so the Dwight Yoakam album is called Tomorrow's Sounds Today from the, the year 2000. From the year 2000. Huh. The second cover is by Lindsay Lohan and her album called A Little More Personal from 2005. And then the last one is by a Mr. Leif Garrett from his album Three Sides Of, and that came out in 2007. Oh, shit. I didn't realize that uh, <laughs> Leif was, was tearing up the charts that late. I was not aware of that either. I mean, I have a vague recollection of him. You know, they did a behind the music on him on VH1, but I'm pretty sure that was in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, he was... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was a triple has-been by then. I mean, because he was a has-been in the 90s when they were doing that VHS, VH, VHS. That VHS one thing, the, the beta thing that they were yeah. doing. But then, you know, come 2007, I mean, people I, didn't even remember him from that anymore. Yeah, I would love to know how he got a deal of any sort to record music and who put the money behind that. I'm, yeah, I have, to, I have to go down that wormhole. All right, so the original. The original is the original version that you probably never heard unless you actually owned the album. And I say this because, as I said, you know, I want you to want me. Everybody remembers that from the Live at Budokan album, which was played nonstop. That's, that's, that's the version people know. No. Well, kind of, it's like with Frampton. You, you right. know the Frampton Comes, Comes Alive, Alive version of Show Me the Way, and exactly. do you feel like we do? Yeah, you never listen to the album versions unless you were a fan and actually had the album. Yeah. So it was the first single from that album, but it wasn't played much on the radio. It never charted in the United States. Okay, that's how popular Budokan was. It went to one, number one in Japan, surprise, uh, along with the other big hit, Clock Strikes 10, which led to their shows at Nippon Budokan in Tokyo of April 1978. And that was the live version you all know. That was released in 1979. And that went on to be the band's biggest selling single. It went to number seven on the Billboard Hot 100 chart and went gold. So I think that 
the reason the album version didn't do well is because it's pretty lightweight and doesn't really have any oomph. Because if you know it, it's uh, it's piano. Boop, 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 yeah. boop, 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 boop. And it's a very light vocal, and their finger snaps. I don't know. Is it? I can't say that it's 50s-ish. It's just... You know what? It kind of sounds a little like the Kinks to me. You know, I like, remember oh, how the Kinks yeah. would have those sort of jaunty, mm-hmm. you mm. know, music hall kind of... That's the word, singles. jaunty. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of what it sounds like to me. Yeah. It's very... Boop, 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 the staccato piano. Yeah. <laughs> Scaccato piano. <laughs> the Capistrano piano. The Capistrano piano. Wow. All right. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so there's also something to say about 10,000 Japanese kids screaming and shouting along that made it a number one hit. Uh, don't get me wrong, I think it's a very perfect pop song, but that piano break reminds me of the floor show in some old Wild West saloon. Yeah. That's very much how it, what it is to me. So, so, so you're, you're, you're thinking that maybe you want to put the covers up against the album version, even though the live version is the hit version? Yes, yes, because it's the, it's the original, it's the first version. So oh, well, yeah, I'm, that's true. I'm yeah. going with that. So the covers, the first one by a Mr. Dwight Yoakam. I will say this, it's better than his cover of Purple Rain. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Take that for what it is. Yeah, <clears throat> He turns it into a straight-up honky-tonk, two-step barn burner. He is very faithful to the arrangement, but he sprinkles in hee-haw all over it. (laughs) But I'm kind of cool with that. Um, I'm a big country music fan, as a lot of people may or may not know. I don't know. My only complaint is the cadence that he uses on Shine Up My Old Brown Shoes. Um, And you'll hear it. Uh, their slide guitar, violins, snappy drums, the lead guitar, it's all there. It's straight up honky tonk country song. You can see this could have been in Midnight Cowboy. I'm sure that they play it in honky tonks all over wherever their honky tonks are in the South, primarily. It's just like that cowboy boots, jeans, the whole nine. Woo. Yeah. Uh, the second cover by Lindsay Lohan. Jesus. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Yes. It gets it gets better and better, doesn't it? It uh, yeah, it is the quintessential hot mess. It is a hot mess, as you could imagine. Yeah, it's sort of a punky kind of rave up with clickers, clackety drums, all over it, like hitting on the rim. It's kind of like it sounds like Green Day is her backing band. For this in a way oh she, oh was this during the period when she tried to pretend she was into rock and roll right yeah must have been the 2000s yeah um and i really hate her this was 2005 i hate her because she says um high-heeled shoes instead of old brown shoes well you know she's got to represent she's a girl i guess and then there's leif garrett and this is an homage to your band. <laughs> a really big gnaw. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. He hired a band that sounds exactly like Cheap Trick and does his best to imitate Robin Zander, which is a huge yawn. So. <laughs> yeah. So now we're going to listen to these and then come back with a winner. <laughs> Cheap Trick. We're going to attempt to come back if we don't fall asleep. If we don't fall asleep. All right. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah. So, uh, who G, who wins? Who do you? Well, who not us? That's for sure. We had to listen to that shit. We're all losers because of the song. Yeah. Obviously, it's Cheap Trick, the original version. Yeah. Well, it's it's, it's a tough one actually because it's it is kind of lose all around because mm. that's the shittier Cheap Trick version. Yes. The covers are all shitty, and for the complete mind fuck, the Leif Garrett version sounds really kind of the way a studio version of that song mostly should sound. Yeah. But it's Leif Garrett imitating Cheap Trick, and I I don't even know what to do with any of that information. It's like an M. C. Escher drawing, it, where it just collapses and turns around in on itself. Yeah. So it's kind. Of, so it's basically if, if the Cheap Trick '77 studio version, yeah, was done the way the Leif Garrett version was done, then it would be good. But Leif Garrett doing it that way is kind of like, well, yeah. I, I mean, it's not even really bad. It's just no, kind of, it's, it's kind just of kind of like, like a yawn. It's like a total why? Yawn. Yeah. What What was? You didn't change anything. You didn't make it your own. You didn't. There's no enhancement or betterment of it. It's just flat out. Like I said, it sounds like Cheap Trick is doing their Budokan version behind him because <clears throat> it's Meteor and there's no keys. And it's just... Why? I don't know why. Mm. Yeah. If anybody out there knows Leif Garrett, ask him why he did that. Because I need to know. It was bad. It was bad. All right. Song number two is By the Time I Get to Phoenix. And I found this interesting because a lot of people think that they know what the original is and and they're and they're wrong so the original was done by johnny rivers in 1965 and the covers i have the first one is by glenn campbell (laughs) 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 what well i'm just no i'm just laughing because it's like uh yeah the the, and the most famous version is this cover by glenn campbell Campbell, yeah and that's the one everybody thinks is the original and that was 1967 the second cover is by isaac hayes from Hot Buttered Soul in 1969. He did a lot of weird covers on that album. Yes, he did. It's such a great record because of all these kooky covers that he does. And he, I mean, it's just, yeah. And then the third cover I have is by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds from the album called Kicking Against the Pricks. And that came out in 1986. That all rhymes. So uh, the original version by Johnny Rivers it was written by Jimmy Webb, who, if you don't know who he is, I don't know what to say about that. Google him and find out. You know every song that he's written. Uh, this has been covered hundreds of times. BMI says that it is the third most performed song from 1940 to 1990. Only the third? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I'm, I, but I'm kind of surprised by that because... Of the song, I would expect something else. Well, you know, actually, actually, the time frame given is kind of what would make me be surprised because in the '60s, yeah. I would think that would be just about the most covered song. song. Yeah. But what you add, you know, three other decades or however many past that, that I mean, n- nobody. I guarantee, not one person did a fucking cover of "By the Time I Get to Phoenix" 
in the 70s. Yeah. And certainly not later. Yeah. In the 80s and 90s? Like, what? I, and yeah. I didn't have the time to look it up. I'll have to look it up. I mean, it's probably some awful, you know, Rod Stewart, you know. Jimmy, the, <laughs> the Jimmy Webb songbook. <laughs> the Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy Webb songbook of him, you know, with his yeah. fucking Because what on. was the other one he destroyed? The What, he did the American... Oh, he did like Songbook 18 volumes of the American Songbook and <sighs> ruined it all. Um, yeah. And, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, they ranked it at number 20 in their top 100 songs of the century. Of the century. Wow. And Frank Sinatra called it, quote, the greatest torch song ever written. Wow. And Frankie should know. Uh, anyway, Johnny's original version is a mid tempo sad song with a loud tambourine in the distance. It's wistful. It's sort of bland to me. It's got full strings and oboe. Uh, it's echoey and dreamy, soft guitars, whispery backing vocals. It's super 1965, easy listening stuff. Uh, the covers. So there's Glenn Campbell. Super true to the arrangement, but with louder strings and flutes right out of the gate. It's less gauzy to me than Johnny's original and more melancholy for sure. His vocal is loud and is in front of the band, which I really like. Then there's Isaac Hayes. First of all, the album version of this is 18 minutes and 40 seconds long. Yeah, that's the other thing about those Isaac Hayes covers. He does weird-ass covers, and then they're like album-side long. Yeah, I mean, 18 minutes and 40 seconds. Yeah. Uh, which I, is in whole album-side. Uh, but the single version is only... <laughs> <laughs> just under seven minutes so well the, you know talk about cutting it down to the bone yeah um, I think it's a very interesting take on the song because he's singing about stuff that happened before the trip to Phoenix in the beginning so he's singing it like a narrator like he's narrating the thing oh it's so he's not, adding information yeah like it's a there's a little bit of a prequel in there right like it's not just his experience like he's narrating the experience which i guess i don't think a lot of people get that if at first listen or two but you really have to it's like wait a minute what is he talking about are you talking are you talking like in a in a lou rawls sort of way remember no. how lou rawls always had the spoken word yeah. intro to his songs you know? it's 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 sort of well lou was definitely more spoken word um isaac is singing it but as a you know oh i see, I see. yeah um because I haven't really listened to it. I'm, I'm I'm aware of it, but I don't I don't know the track at all. Oh oh yeah, it's I I, li- I like it, but it's just like what the hell are you doing, man? It is super slow, super slow. It would have to to stretch out that long. Eighteen minutes and forty seconds, and then the third cover by Nick Cave. It opens with a reverbery bass uh, before his vocal comes in, and <clears throat> he sounds very aggravated and kind of in the midst of a hangover, like. He's recounting this and got drunk and then woke up. Um, minor key guitar, piano, and a drumstick banging on the side of the snare drum before the full band comes in at around two minutes and six seconds. Uh, the version is very haunting and exactly what you would expect from Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. There's no mistaking it. If anybody, if you're familiar with Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds or just Nick Cave himself, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's haunting and creepy and... Totally goth, man. Yeah, thank you. It's Nick Cave it's, goth. It's Pugno's goth. Pugno's goth. Yeah. So, uh, so now we're gonna listen to them and then pick a winner. By the time I get to Phoenix, she'll be rising 
the time I make Albuquerque She'll be working She'll probably stop at lunch And give me a call But she'll just hear that phone Keep on ringing Off the wall That's all By the time I get to Oklahoma, she'll be sleeping. She'll turn softly in her restless sleep. Call my name out alone. Oh, this you cry. Just to think I, I would really leave But time after time after time after time and time again I tried to tell her so But she was a non-believer And she didn't know By the time I make Oklahoma She'll be sleeping She'll turn softly in her sleep And call my name out Didn't know that I would really <laughs> So, oh boy. I mean, it's like a funeral dirge. So, basically. Okay, let's, okay, you know, I guess you go back, go to the beginning there. Yes. I mean, you go right to, to what, to, to the original. What's oh, Johnny, Johnny Rivers. Rivers. I sorry, I um, said Johnny Rivers. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I agree with what you what you said earlier about the. I like the Johnny Rivers version, but it is a, sli- a slightly stiffer, blander version of the Glenn Campbell version. Ver- yeah. And uh, but I like Johnny Rivers, and those those are some pretty good records. You know, it's, I I think that's probably on either the Changes or the Re- Rewind album, and it's probably the same album that has Poor Side of Town, which I really like. Oh yeah, I love Johnny Rivers. And. Uh, Glenn Campbell, I, I need not comment about the Glenn Campbell one. Well, I will ultimately. Yes. But that's why I always had trouble with Isaac Hayes and why I don't know that version. I have that record and I don't know that version because I fucking <laughs> looked at it and went an 18-minute version of... I, and I didn't even put the needle down on it. 
<laughs> you totally skipped it. Or maybe I did two, you know, little three seconds here and yeah. there and went, yeah. uh, no. no. And the thing, but then when you get to the meat and potatoes of the track, it's really fucking good. But it's like this much, it's this tiny little yeah. bit of like three, substance three in the minutes. middle of just all this crap that yeah. you have to just sort of dig through to get to the fucking song. Right. And so if you cut it down to like a, a three or four minute version, it would be really, really good. great. Yeah, yeah. Really, really great. Just the fact that, okay, so for all you people who are not going to listen to the whole version, but you should. <laughs> <laughs> he starts off talking about love and blah 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 and this guy da 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 like I said he's kind of outside looking in and then the real song doesn't start until almost 10 minutes into the 18 minutes then yeah. that part lasts for like 4 minutes and then it goes back off into the crazy tangent yeah it's like the first the first 10 minutes is like when you're on the train <laughs> And there's somebody on the train yeah. who decides that they have some shit to say to everybody, everybody. on the fucking train. <laughs> and they don't. go for the entire ride. Yes. That's what that is. They don't stop. Yes. Any New Yorker who has to ride the A train uh, above 125th Street knows this. Or if you have to ride it between 59th and 125th, you know it because it's showtime. And, you know, that's the biggest stretch of time with no interruption, no stops, and or some crazy person is just yelling and screaming about whatever right quite often it's it's religious yes you know god jesus blah 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 whatever and then it's just insane but uh yeah but if you get past that there's a good version in there a really good version kind of buried deep in there deep 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 and the nick cave version is nick cave or lee hazelwood (laughs) i was waiting for somebody to say that yeah, Lee Hazelwood. If you don't know who Lee Hazelwood is, Google him. He's country and western legend. He's awesome. And uh, yeah, that was Nick Cave's imitation of Lee Hazelwood. Yeah. Funeral dirgy, gothy, whatever. So the winner, I think, is obviously Glenn Campbell. Duh. Duh. But you can't. You can't beat Glenn Campbell. But uh, honestly, though, if if we were gonna take away, you know, if you take away the obviousness, if that's a word, of Glenn, the Glenn Campbell version being the best, just like, disregard that and go, okay, you have to choose between the others. Yeah. A, and <clears throat> edited down to the nuts and bolts version of uh, of the Isaac Hayes version would probably be that the best be one. That would be great, yeah. yeah. I do like the Nick Cave, though, but I'm an, I'm not a one of those crazy Nick Cave fans. I like it. Uh... I can't say that I like it, but I like it. Okay, I'll say this. I like Nick Cave's version better than the original version, but it does not beat Glenn Campbell. Like, he put something in it that that Johnny just did not. Yeah, no, Johnny's, for some reason, Johnny's is just a little stiff. And it's odd because Johnny isn't... Not like that normally. Yeah, you know, he's got some swagger, yeah. you know. and But for some reason, he's just... I think it wasn't really used to that kind of material yet, and he kind of stiffened it up a bit too much. Yeah, it's slightly phoned in. Yeah. All right. Song number three is Walk On By. Hart need covers of that. <laughs> no. uh, isn't there a cover of that on the Isaac Hayes album? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> so the original was sung by Dionne Warwick, and the album was called Walk On By. It came out in 1964. And then Isaac Hayes covered it in 1969 Boom. with Hot Buttered Soul. <laughs> 
And then the second cover I have is by Gloria Gaynor. That came out in 1975. And then the last version I have is by The Stranglers, and that came out in 1978. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the original, this is a Burt Backrack and Hal David classic that was written for Dion, who was their muse, and it charted number one on the Cashbox R&B chart. Cashbox. And nominated for the best R&B song in 1965. Uh, guitars, piano, sweeping strings, bass, staccato trumpet for accents, all those hits. Uh, the arrangement has a snappy feel to it. I think that it is absolute perfection. I love it. All right. Isaac Hayes' cover. It opens with an orchestral movement that gets taken over by a fuzzbox guitar right before the heavily echoed vocal by Isaac. There are call and response backing vocals by a trio of ladies who you know have like afros and mini skirts and tube tops on. Uh, there are flute flourishes. There's a slinky, sexy bass. It is a real badass jam. I really like this. Uh, he smatters in, you know, you put it on me, mama, and stuff like that. <laughs> but I, I, I kind of dig it. Yeah, uh, I've, I've heard that one. That, I think that one wasn't too long for me to actually put the no, needle down on. <laughs> it was not 18 minutes long. And then Gloria Gaynor, this is, of course, it's Gloria Gaynor, so it's a disco arrangement. Uh, she does a voiceover in the beginning and then launches into this mid-tempo, for disco that is, beat that is, it, like the first chorus is very jolting. Um, she does a little voiceover before each verse and the piano drives it. It's Even though this came out in 1975, it is a house music song. The piano is total housey house music. Yeah. Uh, and the Stranglers version... <coughs> It opens with a guitar riff that follows the original arrangement. Uh, organ, lots of organ, a long solo during the bridge, along with a long guitar solo, takes up two-thirds of the song. Uh, the drums, very prominent bass, guitars round out this punky, new wavy, two-tonish version. Very Stranglers, totally Stranglers, and I would love to know how and why they chose to cover this, because I think... That is a very interesting song for the Stranglers to cover. It seems kooky. If you see me walking down the street And I start to cry Each time we meet Walk on Tears and 
the sadness you gave me. You put the hate on me, you sucked it to the mother. When you said goodbye. So, Gloria, she she's let's just sorry, Gloria. She's a little overrated because she's good at what she does. Yes, but she fits in just this tiny ass little box and does not like she just doesn't. Stray. She has that one fucking thing that she does. Yeah, that she does well. But every like she just every song sounds sounds like that. Yeah, she doesn't, and I'm kind of happy. That she doesn't do all kinds of crazy acrobatics with her voice. Yeah, no, she isn't too histrionic, which is which, yeah, which is refreshing. I like that. Um, yeah. And yeah, she that's what she does, and she's perfect at it. And I'm not mad at it because I can't really imagine. I can't really imagine her doing anything else. I mean, she's completely capable of doing other R and B and soul stuff. Like I would like to hear her sing an Aretha Franklin song. Yeah. I would like to hear her sing. Uh, a Gladys Knight and the Pip song. Like, I, she's, she could do it, but for whatever reason, she stayed in that teeny tiny disco box. All right. Oh, this is kind of, kind of off topic, but you just sort of graze past it. Did you see that photo? I just, I just saw it for the first time of Gladys Knight in the 50s as a kid meeting Nat King Cole. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen that before. Yeah, yeah I was like, whoa, that, that's pretty, pretty fucking, fucking cool. cool. And yeah. I was thinking, man, Nat King Cole has no idea, like, that this kid. Yeah, what she was going to turn into. Yeah, because he's long gone by the time she Oh yeah. did anything. Yep. Yeah, incredible. And yeah. she still has the exact same face. Yeah, yeah. If, yeah, if you don't know who that kid is when you see it, then... <laughs> you must be blind. Yeah. Because I think Stevie Wonder would know who that girl is. Good grief. It's the exact same face. It's just tiny. <laughs> and she, she's like Mary. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, our friend Mary Edwards has had the exact same face her whole life. Her entire life. She was born with that face. Born with that face and has not changed at all. Same note, everything. It's just, it's adorable. It's and, well, adorable. same haircut, too. Mm-hmm. Basically. You know, slightly longer at different times, but basically, even yeah. as a little kid, she kind of had just a short, little, she had, you know. Yeah, like a little short cropped afro kind of thing. Yeah. Which is fantastic. I 
love people who have the same hairstyle forever. Like Chrissy Hind, Sammy Davis Jr., Liza Minnelli. It works. Don't why Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart, yeah. Like it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, I think it works. All right, so who's your favorite? <laughs> so we digressed and talked <laughs> about digressed. neck and colon hair, but and we're back. So uh, oh, who, who oh my like? favorite. Um, well, oh well. I mean, I had to regroup and get my my mind back on the the <laughs> the subject at hand. And yes. Jesus, it's not even a fucking contest. Dion Warwick runs. Yeah. Like, shoots like a rocket away with that trophy. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. She, by and large, that's it. It's quintessential. You can't. You can't beat it. You just can't beat it. Yeah. I do like the Isaac Hayes. Um, you know, because he's kooky. I like the... I like... The only one I don't really like is the Stranglers version, because that... The middle section is way too long. Walk on by. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's too long. It should It should have been shorter. That annoyed me. Uh, but I like the disco version. I like the Gloria Gaynor version. Yeah, see that the Gloria Gaynor version is just really generic to me. It has its place. It is generic compared to other songs of hers and other disco songs for certain. But I I like it. Yeah. It's kind of refreshing to me. So there's that. Yes. But um, yeah, I mean, who who could de- deny that the Dion Warwick version? Just are you fucking on. kidding me? Come on. Yeah, it's fucking fantastic. All right, song number four is in the midnight hour, and. <laughs> This is very interesting. So the original was done by Wilson Pickett from his album, The Exciting Wilson Pickett, in 1965, Wicked Pickett. And the first cover version is by the Mirettes in 1968. And then the second one is done by Cross Country in 1973. And then the last one I have is by Roxy Music, and that was in 1980. Man, you yeah, have the cross country version in there. I, how could I not? And I'll explain why. <clears throat> so, the original Wilson Pickett version. It's stacks. All right, I don't need to say much more than that. It's stacks. It's Steve Cropper. It's stacks. Sexy promises. A kick-ass horn section. This song was selected for preservation in the National Recording Registry as being quote culturally historically or artistically significant, which I think is pretty amazing for Wilson Pickett to get that honor. I mean, there are a lot of songs in that National Registry. Google it and look through it, people, because it's it's an amazing cross-section of music. But I was just like, really? This is pretty fucking righteous, because Wilson Pickett is. All right, so the first cover by the Mirettes. Now, did you know that these were the original three Iquettes? No, and um, and not knowing that, I also will say I don't know this version. Oh, okay. My Aunt Gypsy had this. That's how I knew it, because she would play it all the time. Ooh, I like these girls. Uh, their version is pretty much the same as the original, the only difference being that they're three women. But it's super funky, super funky. It was a top 20 R&B hit that got to 18 on the R&B chart, almost making top 40. Um, I don't ever remember hearing it on the radio. Like I said, my Aunt Gypsy had had it and played it. That's was it a single? Um, I'm not sure if it was a single. I mean, like when your aunt was playing it, was it an album? or? I th- it was. I think it was on an album. Oh. Yeah. But um, 
yeah, I, it just was not on the radio, but it's really good. Um, number two, cross country. All right. <laughs> now, are we talking cross country? They were once the tokens cross country? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm making sure we're talking about the I, same group. I believe, I believe so. Yeah, because the, the, the tokens, they, they kind of morphed in the early 70s into this band called Cross Country that were very Crosby, Stills, and Nash-ish. Yes, it is the one and the same. So okay. this is the version that I remember. I mean, I heard Wilson Pickett, but this was the version that I that stands out to me the most because it was on the radio all the time. And... I thought that it was Crosby, Stills, Nash when I first heard it. Because I was like, oh, they did a cover of this? This is interesting. <laughs> and yeah. But I thought it was... It sounds like Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Paul Simon Yeah. to me. So uh, Jay Siegel, who's the leader of this band, said that they reinvented the song by trying to make it sound like Crosby, Stills, and Nash. <laughs> This band was three members of the Tokens, and for people who don't know who the Tokens were, they did Lion Sleeps Tonight. That was their big hit. And turned this sexy soul burner into a weird, oddly robotic, easy listening ballad that opens with an acoustic guitar thing that reminds me of the beginning of Stop, Hey, What's That Sound? Mm. Which is why, again, I thought it was Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Um, And I think that Crosby, Stills, and Nash should sue them because it sounds just like them. Um, and Cashbox rated this version above the Wilson Pickett version. What? Yeah. Cashbox. That's why everybody hated Cashbox back in the day. Sidebar, for those of you who are not Americans or who are not old, uh, there was a music trade paper magazine called Cashbox, and it did exactly what it sounds like, Cashbox. It rated sales of records and how much money they made and had their own individual charts outside of Billboard, and uh, whomever else. But surely the the Wilson Pickett version made more money than the cross-country version. Uh, that's what I would think. That's what I would think. Because it wasn't just played on black radio. It was on every radio station. Yeah. You could, it's a, you know... A- it's any, a, but any fool would know the Wilson Pickett, Pickett version. Pickett version. It's yeah. a golden oldie from the 60s. I mean, come on. Um, and then Roxy Music. So first let me say that I really enjoy Roxy Music. I like a lot of their music. I can't say I like all of it, but I like a majority of it. Then let me say that I hate this cover. (laughs) I hate it. I hate it. They Roxy musicked all over it, and they ruined it. Um, I can listen to Love is the Drug a thousand times in a row. This is horrid. It's horrible. Um, but that's the thing about Roxy Music. I think that they were more misses than hits. Yeah. And not just commercially speaking, even amongst people who are their fans, like me. Other people I know who are Roxy Music fans are like, well, you know, I pretty much only like the hits. I mean, I have the records, but, you know, ugh. Well, I think that the, al- the early albums are really good as whole albums, yeah. but once you get maybe about four in, it starts to go south. Yeah. It's all sounds kind of the same, and Brian Ferry is trying to jam the saxophone into everything because he played it, and I don't know, like, the magic of Brian Eno in the beginning was so awesome because it was so different and so... Yeah, but he's only on two albums. Right, and then, 
like, you know, that's the first two. The second two were okay, and then, you know, like you said, you're four records in, and then yeah. eh, it's pretty lame. So uh, we're going to listen to these now, and then uh, <laughs> pick a winner. There's too many losers. So who do you like best? The Mirettes. The Mirettes. By fucking, by, yeah. Leaps and bounds, Yeah, right? yeah, that's the, absolutely the best version. Killer. And I think it takes a lot to beat out Wilson Pickett at his own game, but yeah. they crush that shit. I mean, to be fair, Wilson Pickett is is sort of, uh, you know, going, fighting uphill against the wind for me personally because I'm so fucking sick of that fucking track. Song, yeah. So sick of that. To yeah. the point where I can't really see the forest for the trees. You know what I mean? Like I don't even know. I don't even know anymore if it's even any good. I'm so fucking sick of it. Yeah. But so that may be part of it. But I'm pretty sure that any way you slice it, 
the Marriott's no, version is better. Hands down. Yeah. Brian Ferry, you bummed me out, man. Oh, jeez. That was so bad. So bad. Yeah. What? Uh, B-side, B- B- maybe, if you just felt like you had to get that shit out of your system, but on an album? Come on. No. No. It's just bloody awful it is. Yes. It's terrible. And uh. you should be ashamed of yourselves. Ugh. Terrible. All right. <clears throat> As we march on, here's song number five. And, uh... It is, it is, uh, it's a very interesting song. It's called, uh, Your Love Keeps Lifting Me, in parentheses, and then higher and higher. So there's a discrepancy here, sort of, about the original version. I only have one cover of this. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea who that is. No idea. So after researching this, I found two things. So I think that most people think that it's a, a Jackie Wilson original. But the Dells recorded it in 1967 with slightly different lyrics, but never released it as a single. But they recorded it first. and then. But Jackie Wilson, I think he wins it because it was actually released. Right, the he, same he, year. Gets, he gets original version Credit. status. Yeah, yeah, status. And for the same year, 1967, I think they did it within months of each other, is what I read. Hmm. And the cover that I chose is by Rita Coolidge from her album Anytime, Anywhere in 1977. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a classic Jackie Wilson song uh, with four of the Funk Brothers playing on it. James Jamerson on bass, Richard Pistol Allen on the drums, Robert White on guitar, and Johnny Griffith on the keys. They often took a lot of side gigs with Carl Davis, who produced this song, and Sonny Sanders was the arranger for it, to make extra money. Carl said that he would pay them double scale and in cash. So, of course, they ran right over the studio and cut this thing in like five minutes. Um, Some of Motown's session singers did backing vocals on this, uh, unnamed though, and Wilson cut the lead vocal in one take. So what we hear, he walked in there, did it, and walked out, and that was it. Which I find amazing. He needs to practice a bit more. I mean, what the fuck? Wow. Uh, It's snappy, peppy, up-tempo, funky groove. Whenever you watch videos of him doing this, he's practically levitating off the ground. Because he's just so into it. I mean, Jackie Wilson was just an unbelievable performer. I suggest people watch videos of him. I remember my parents and my aunts talking about seeing him live at the Uptown Theater in Philadelphia. And women you know just screaming and fainting and falling out all over the place and my aunt gypsy like grabbed his shirt and almost ripped it off of him one time and just sounds like a teddy pendergrass show yeah uh, just unbelievable he just wow the horn section is amazing the church baptist church tambourine a winner and the killer bass line it is total perfection i think i love that song then we come to the cover by rita coolidge so, have you you've heard this right? Oh, you fucking kidding me? I I, you know. Yeah. I'm a white kid from Napa who grew up in the seventies. <laughs> yeah. That's the first version. That's I the heard. first version you heard. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first fucking version of that song I heard. Yeah. So for people who have not heard it, it is, it is, of the school, of, whitewashing a soul classic. 
in the tradition of James Taylor and some other people. First thing she did was that she changed the title slash lyrics to Your Love Has Lifted Me Higher and Higher. With a moderate mid-tempo feel, a lurching bass that is trying desperately to be funky. I don't know who was playing it, but they were holding back. You can hear it. Like, they want... They want to be so funky, and they just can't do it. Um, The chorus is mostly trashed, save for the repetitive backing vocals. So there is not really a chorus. This sounds very sleepy, and like she's trying way too hard to sound sexy while she's doing it. It is quintessential 1977 California country. It was recorded at AM Studios. Super gauzy. It's like an auditory napkin. <laughs> it's like cheesecloth was wrapped all over Jackie Wilson. Like the fly would capture, like a spider would capture a fly and just cocoon it and kill it. And that's what Rita Coolidge did. She killed this song. Oh, Rita. Yeah. And like, what other songs did she do? I can't even name any off the top of my head. Uh, she did a cover of We're All Alone by Boss Skaggs, who I know you're she, a big fan of. She d- Outside See, I didn't even know the that. rain begins. You never heard her cover version of that? No. That was a oh, big radio hit at that time. Maybe I ignored it. Maybe I blocked it out. You know, but hey, Rita, she was married to Chris Christopherson. And, uh... I think that's the only reason why she got a record deal, <laughs> quite frankly. And she put out a lot of records. Yeah. Yeah, 1996... She recorded up to 2005. She put out a record, and so is Love. Oh, barf. So you're not a fan of Rita Coolidge. I am I'm, not. I'm kind of vaguely getting this. I do not like her. I just, Rita. I just, you know, she's an auditory napkin. She covered Superstar, I Gotta Have You, Chris. How long were they married? Oh, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure she could only put up with him for so Five long. Five minutes. <laughs> yeah, because he was a hot fucking mess. So for people who don't know about Chris Christopherson, he was a Rhodes Scholar as a kid and then became, you know, a musician, singing star and was a crazy, annoying alcoholic for decades, it seems. Um, You may remember him from the 70s version of A Star is Born with Barbra Streisand with her afro, excuse me, with her jufro. And um, he was a mess. He was a fucking mess. Yes. I don't know what... I mean, he was cute back in the day, but... Okay, now I'm looking it up. Like, I, for some reason, I, I seem to remember Rita Coolidge as having more of a string of hits. Mm. But I guess it really was just those two. I mean, there are other singles here, but I don't even recognize them by title. Uh, yeah, me neither. I, I mean, I'm looking at stuff. I'd rather leave while I'm something. I don't know. Safe in the arms of time. She's got a lot of records, but yeah. So we're going to listen to this travesty and then (laughs) pick a winner.
All right, so, uh, yeah. Was I right about Auditory Napkin? Well, yeah. I, yeah. You are. I am. Yeah, I, uh... My take on all this is all very complicated. Okay, lay it on me. Or, uh, I don't know, or maybe complicated. I don't know if that's the word, but... Yeah. Well, I agree with everything that you're saying, mm-hmm. that you said about it, all of that. And all of that is true and correct. <laughs> but? Yet... I'm, I, I struggle with two things. One, the original version of Higher and Higher, I kind of, it sits in the same place for me as the, as the uh, Midnight Hour. Oh, yeah. I've just fucking heard too it way awful. too much on all these stations. Mm-hmm. And the Rita Kula version gives me the warm fuzzies of being seven years old. Okay. <laughs> and you know what? So I kind of, I prefer that version for only that reason, but if I look, if I stand outside of it and just look at it for what it is, yeah. everything you said is exactly spot on. Yeah. And, you know, that's a fair cop. Of course, you've got a great childhood memory from it. I get it. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear totally that song it. and I'm like, I'm in the backseat of my mom's car driving down Jefferson Street and the fucking car's filled with smoke because it was 1977. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yes, you're correct. Uh, you know, the Jackie Wilson version has been played ad nauseum. As has Rita's version. As has her but, version. Yeah. But I, think, but I think when the dust settled, once uh, the Rita Coolidge cover was no longer a current hit, it faded off, whereas the Jackie Wilson version continues to get played to this day. Yes. So it has those extra years of just, you know... Yeah, being permeated into... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I... Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But I... Yeah, for me, it's Jackie Wilson all the way, obviously, because... Rita... (laughs) Did you ever watch Second City TV? A little bit, yeah. Okay, so do you remember the sketch where, where Eugene Levy would play Perry Como... I think I've seen that, And they yeah. do the fake commercials, so it was like Perry Como's greatest hits, and he'd be lying on the floor with the yeah. microphone, like, not even touching the microphone, just like, uh, <laughs> Yeah. That's what Rita Coolidge reminds me of. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, she's just laying there, trying to be sexy and put her oomph in it, and the sad bass line, who's yeah. just crying out to be funkier, and... Well, she's kind of interchangeable <sighs> with Nicolette Larson. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you. And, but at this, but man, I love that her version of that Neil Young song of "A Lot of Love", love because yeah. it's just even way more so than that Rita Coolidge song. That is just like Jesus. I am Please. fucking eight when I hear that song. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, Nicolette Larson, boy, I yeah. See, and I well, that's on my list actually for another day. But yeah, so it's Jackie Wilson for me. <clears throat> All right, so here is the last song, song number six. And uh, it is... <laughs> it is um, Comfortably Numb. Everybody knows that song. It's Pink Floyd, From the Wall. Um, it was stuck in my head because we just did Pink Floyd in December for F-Bomb. And uh, it's a great song. Now, the cover I have of it, I also enjoy. And it is done by the Scissor Sisters, and it came out in 2004. Have you ever heard it? No. Okay. I, I, was, I was not even aware of it. All right, I think you're going to hate it. <laughs> so do I. But here goes. <laughs> I hated that before I even heard it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't give it to Paul. He hates everything. <laughs> 
So the original, come on, people. It's comfortably numb. It's Pink Floyd. It's the wall. You know it. You've heard it. You love it. There's no getting around it. It's a classic. It's yeah. genius. Period. Yeah. I don't. I honestly, I don't even like that. I love Pink Floyd. I'm not a fan of the Wall album, but fuck, man, that track. You kidding me? So fucking great. Six minutes and twenty-one seconds of minor key perfection. It tells an amazing. It tells a story, a part of the whole story, which is kooky. The video is great. It's just, it's great. It's great. I love the song. Um, and I have a connection to it because uh, I was at the show that inspired him to write this song. Do you know about the story? Uh, I don't know if I do. Okay, so Roger Water wrote the lyrics. Uh, they were inspired by an experience he had in Philadelphia in 1977. He had massive stomach cramps and had to be injected with tranquilizers right before going on stage it was the in the flesh tour in 1977 and i was there at the spectrum with my cousin gene and some other friends of his who were smoking a lot of pot uh he said roger water said that was the longest two hours of my life trying to do a show when you can hardly lift your arm lee rittenauer played the acoustic guitars for the chorus in a tuning close to the classic Nashville tuning, but with the low E string being replaced by a high E string, which is two octaves higher than the standard tuning, which I find really fascinating, because this was also used during the arpeggios in Hey You. So if that rings a bell, that's why. Uh, it's rated 314 in one of those bullshit Rolling Stone lists of the 500 greatest songs of all time. And in 2005, this was the last song ever performed by Roger, David, and Richard, and Nick all together. So that also has a warm, fuzzy place in my heart over here. Um, so the cover. It was done by the Scissor Sisters. And that's uh, all you need to know. That's Forget all it. you need to know. They lose. If you know, <laughs> according to Paul, that's it. That's it. They lose. They lose. If you don't know who the Scissor Sisters are... They are this band that came out in the early aughts and um, gay club culture, and uh, this was their big hit. It's, I think it's brilliant. I think it's absolutely brilliant. The genre is listed under post-disco, um, but it's a straight-up disco song with a lot of house music elements. It's also a house music song, people will say. No two ways about it. Uh, it starts off with a guitar lick that lasts for about 15 seconds. And then you hear a high-pitched guy singing, uh, Hello. Hello, 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 is there anybody in there? And then the bass comes in underneath it, and then there's syncopated drums and percussion coming in at 25 seconds. There are laser shots. It's synths, house music piano, the chorus, their hand claps. I play it at every DJ gig. I love it. And I think you will, too. Not you, Paul. <laughs> but the general <laughs> audience out there, I think you people will love it. Paul's going to hate it. Hello.
uncle, grandma, everyone. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Black man. <laughs> oh, shit. So before I came over here, I was talking to my sister. <laughs> And she's like, oh, what are you doing today? I said, oh, I'm going to Paul's to record my podcast. <clears throat> and she's like, oh, what songs are you going to do? So I ran down the list and she was like, uh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's not going to like that. Specifically referring to that Specifically track. referring to that, yeah. We were, I was crying, <laughs> laughing so hard. <laughs> you know. Like yeah. I am now, crying. Oh, shit. The thing is, is so Scissor Sisters, I haven't, I haven't really dug deeply into them. I There was one song of theirs that I heard that I liked. and Filthy Gorgeous? No, I don't even remember. Take Your Mama Out? Take Your Mama Out? No, it wasn't all, it wasn't all disco-y. I it wasn't... I think it was something slower. I, I'd have to look it up. But see, the thing is, is that there was this m- moment where we were maybe going to be going out on the road opening for them. Oh, really? But we didn't know... Wow. But we didn't know who they were. Or we knew the name, but we didn't really know the music. And so I think I probably went online and looked them up. Yeah. And just, like, the right track came up. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then everything else I've heard from them has just been that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm... Wow. Okay. That's funny. All right. For people who don't know or don't remember, Paul was in a band called Persephone's Bees. <clears throat> and uh, so that's... Whenever he talks about going out on the road, that's what he's talking about with that oh, band. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. The, the episodes come with a legend. <laughs> a verbal legend. Yes. So I love it. I love them both. It's a tie for me. I The Scissor Scissor version ties with the Pink Floyd and here, version? Here's why. Oh, shit. Here's why. Listen, listen. <laughs> I'm gobsmacked. L- listen, listen. This is my reasoning. This okay. is, uh, it's, hey, it's, I, I liked the Rita Kula track. So see, I, okay, so now we're <laughs> we're even. So the reason why I love the Scissor Sisters version is because it is it perfectly fits into the genre of a great cover. First of all, if you know who the Scissor Sisters are, you would never, ever, ever expect them to cover this song. I mean, what? Pink Floyd, first of all, Pink Floyd. Okay, maybe they're Pink Floyd fans, whatever. Uh, they're in their, like, 40s. That's the mm. age that they are. Uh, yeah, they're definitely 10 years younger than me because I, I DJed with one of the guys last year, two years ago or something. And such an iconic Pink Floyd song that is so... The whole vibe is just, like, doom and gloom and, oh, you know, and it's... A terrible thing and the wall and the whole story behind it is just so polar opposite of this like woohoo we're doing poppers disco song i think it's genius it's brilliant yeah. i feel like it's the disco version of all the pop punk guys who do like pop punk versions of mandy it's kind of like it's kind of a cheap shot i oh ooh, wow all right um, <laughs> that's my that's my take on 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 doing the opposite version. Yeah, but I mean, I know that you, you know, know it's like kind that. of like you know the dogs that bark jingle bells. I mean, they oh, did a version of it. God. Would that be a good cover because I... it's different? <laughs> <laughs> oh 
my god, I think you hurt my feelings. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah, no, but <laughs> oh, oh fuck. <laughs> oh man. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, I <clears throat> I love it. What are you gonna do? I mean, yeah. What are you gonna do? Well, nothing. What are you gonna that's, do? That's, that's, that's just how it is. We're at an end. <laughs> and it's fine. See, people, this is why we're friends. This is this is how best friends are. You don't have to love everything. You don't have to agree on everything, and you can still laugh about it. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Dogs barking jingle bells. <laughs> but that is a clever cover. Oh my god. Mm. All right. Well. That's the last song for this episode. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to take a short break and record episode 15. And, um, yeah. So, uh, if you want to get in touch with me and give me a song suggestion like the Mighty Mighty Dan Buxpin did with the Dwight Yoakam cover, uh, please hit me up. You can find me on Instagram at DJ Crystal Clear. You can find me on Facebook at DJ Crystal Clear. I have a page there because, once again, I do not have a website because it is not 1993. So, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed everything. Make sure you listen to the entire 18-minute version of Isaac Hayes and you will enjoy the Scissor Sisters. Listen to it while you're cleaning. It'll make the time pass by faster. (laughs) So, thanks for listening. I appreciate it and happy motoring, everybody. Hello, mic check, one, two, three. Hello, how you doing? Mic check, uh, Peter check. Mickey check. Check. Davey check. Okay.